The James Suckling Podcast. Wine ratings, reports, interviews and more. Hi, I'm Chris Herman. How are you? Hi, Chris. I'm Claire. Good. How are you? Good. I'm fascinated to know a bit more about how the fruit is different uh, in Oregon and in the different regions. So we've been tasting a lot of Oregon here in Hong Kong. Um, I haven't tasted yours, but I've tasted quite a few Pinots and Chardonnays. And what struck me was, I think especially with the Chardonnays, there's quite a bit of variation in style. And I know you mentioned that, you know, it's very important to have... um, so you're focused on very Burgundian winemaking, more reductive, more skin contact, mm-hmm. more attention. Um, how do you think the fruit sings through in the wines? Because obviously you're not making it in Burgundy, you're making it in Oregon. What would be the difference in terms of the fruit expression of the terroir? And also in general, the potential for Chardonnay in Oregon, do you see that Um how, how does that compare to, say, Burgundy versus Sonoma Coast versus Russian River in style? Mm-hmm. Well, inter- interestingly enough, I think that, first of all, in Oregon, uh, the, the only place that I think Chardonnay is extraordinary is in a fairly small part of the northern Willamette Valley. So if you, I don't know, if you look at a map of Oregon, it's a fairly large state. I think it's the 10th largest state in the U.S., Two thirds of the state is a desert, right? Like we have this big range of volcanic mountains that goes sort of north, south, the entire length of the state. So two thirds of the state is desert. So you're not going to grow anything over there. There, There's a Cabernet region that's quite nice along the Washington border. But for Chardonnay, it's way too warm. And in the Willamette Valley itself, um, which is about 120 miles long, north, south, and about 50 miles wide, east, west, um, it's really, it's really, this area, um, probably if you look at a map about 30 or 35 miles south of Portland, yeah. it's where it really begins. And you have you know an area that's got very varied and interesting topography, but the, but, but the ultimate critical factor is it's super cool climate. So it, you know, we, we don't, we don't, we, we had a crazy heat wave a couple of weeks ago, which was totally unprecedented. But normally like today is a typical day, it's in the 70s uh, all day long. It'll get down into the low 50s at night. So you have a nice diurnal swing. We're very close to the Pacific Ocean. The Pacific Ocean is very cold off the coast of Oregon. So every night we're getting very cool breezes coming off, which is maintaining the freshness of the acidity. And, and, and in the Northern Willamette Valley, there's an area called the Van Duzer Corridor. It's, it's a funny name. And it's basically a, a, you know, a, a, a cut in the coast range, which separates the Willamette Valley from the coast. And the Old Amity Hills, which is where we get our best Chardonnays, lies directly east of that cut. And so in the, over the course, you know, the growing season here is roughly 100 to 105 days for Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. And during that time, almost every day, you get these around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, this stream of fog and, and very cool air coming in off the Pacific. Yeah. And so this particular area benefits from some very specific cooling factors, um, which uh, which are very important in maintaining the acidity of the wine. And also there are a number of really interesting um, uh, sort of topographical features, which are very reminiscent of Burgundy. And the Yola Amity Hills are a good example. They, they run up to about three or 400 meters. Uh, and there's probably a 
20-mile-long area of beautiful east-facing slope, and we're getting most of our Chardonnay fruit at about 500 feet to 600 feet in elevation on directly east-facing slopes. So they don't get any of the hot afternoon sun here. Our hottest time of the day is from 4 to 6 p.m. in the afternoon. And so those east-facing slopes are, are, are cool. They're always, they're always benefiting from that cool breeze. All of that maintains natural acidity, which is the absolute single most important component of making great Chardonnay. So it's funny because, um, because we have a Burgundy project, I'm more aware of what's going on there than I would be otherwise. And what's been interesting to see, of course, now is the, I mean, <laughs> apart from the terrible frost in April, you know, you've seen generally warming climate. So, you know, our, our 18, 19 and 20 Burgundies are starting to look and feel and taste a lot like wines from Sonoma because the temperatures are, are really rising and are quite high. And, and the problem with that is, and this is the difference too between the Sonoma Chardonnays and Pinots and ours is that, you know, the intensity of the sun. So Sonoma is about 500 miles south of where we are. So that's the difference between Paris and North Africa. So that gave you some sense of the difference in climate and the intensity of the sun. Um, and so, you, you know, both Pinot Noir and Chardonnay are relatively delicate fruit. And so we, we have a microclimate here that is really ideally suited to producing sort of the, the, the Pinot and Chardonnay that has the, the most beautiful acidity along with elegance. And we have tannins that are fine. Um, and, and even the, the Chardonnay, you know, what's important for us is to be extracting those tannins from the skins to give the wine structure. But again, it's not harsh and that's all about sort of the cool climate. And remember, that was the thesis that these people had when they came up from California was that going 500 miles further north would actually make a big difference. People in California at the time didn't think so. They thought it would be too cool and rainy up here, but it's, but it's really turned out to be the case that they really had the correct assessment in terms of the climate and the impact it would have on the fruit. So what I see is Burgundian fruit and Sonoma coast fruit is moving, uh, has moved into fruit that is definitely grown in a warmer climate than here. And so you're seeing earlier ripening there and you're seeing, because that earlier ripening, the, 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 the flavor profile is not as, as elegant and as engaging because it's, it's had a, faster physiological ripening. And then you just can't retain the acidity um, when, when you have the sort of pronounced warmth that we see in those, in those areas. Now in Burgundy, it's less dramatic than in Sonoma or Napa, but um, I mean, there, there it's, it's, I mean, I, I've been going to, I mean, I've been going down there my whole life, basically looking at the wine producing regions and, you know, the university, uh, the winemaking school there at UC Davis, uh, I forget the name of the professor, but there's a professor who came up, I think it was maybe Winkler or something, came up with this idea that there are five climate, five temperature zones from the coolest, which is zone one, to the warmest, which is like North Africa. And, and in the 60s and 70s, Oregon was in zone one, so the coolest, and Sonoma was in zone two. And now, given the way that they calculate which zone you plug into, Oregon is now in zone two and Sonoma is in zone three. So there's been a pronounced shift. So what's interesting is that we're actually seeing the same kind of ripening now here that we saw in, in Northern California back in the 60s and 70s. 
And yet, because we're farther north, we have even better natural acidity. The other thing that we have that's so important is that we're so far north that during the growing season, we have really an amazingly wonderful day, long day of daylight. So it'll get light about 5, 15, 5, 30 in the morning and stay light until 9.30 at night. So you have this very long day with you know lower temperatures, but a lot of exposure to, to gentle sun. All of this is really, again, promoting the development of fruit that is ideal for, for elegant, balanced uh, Chardonnay in particular, but also Pinot Noir. And are you worried about uh, global warming? And obviously, as you said, yeah. now Oregon is similar to what Sonoma was in the 60s. Right. Yeah, no, it's happening. And I mean, the, the, the one of the, and I mean, certainly a big change from say 30 years ago is where people are planting. So now more and more just planting on east facing slopes and of course ever higher in elevation. So um, whereas in the 1980s, and early 90s, no one would have probably planted normally above five or 600 feet. Now people are planting at 1000 feet and 1100 feet and directly in response to the to the warming. Now the, the, the problem is that that's now sort of, you know, now we're sort of reaching the, the, <laughs> the, the, the highest elevations you can in the Lamont Valley. Although what we'll see is people will start planting in the foothills of the Cascades at higher elevations. So there'll be, there'll be sort of a slow drift upward in elevation. Um, but there's no question that it is going to be a problem. And so we're, we're actually looking at buying an old farm and planting a vineyard here in the next year or two. And when we do, uh, we've already decided we're going to do several blocks of Cabernet and Merlot and Sinfandel so that, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50 years from now, when the temperature has increased quite a bit, we'll have some nice old vine Cabernet to, to make wine from. <laughs> That's very forward thinking. But for now, I mean, for now, we're actually in, a, in an absolutely wonderful sweet spot because it's warm enough that the Chardonnay in particular ripens in a way that it's never ripened before. It's not overripe by any means. And you can tell it for the levels that we're picking at. And you'll tell when you eventually taste the wine. But it's actually a beautiful sweet spot now where it's it's warm enough that we're getting the full physiological ripening we want and the in the in the phenolics, the tannins in the skins, and yet it's still still sufficiently acidic. And, and we don't have to do any adding of I mean, that's the one thing. If you if you if you taste a lot of Chardonnay from Northern California, you're just tasting tartaric acid in practically every bottle. And I can't stand that. And it actually, I don't, I mean, I don't like the taste. I don't. Don't it, it's just very uncomfortable, but we don't have to do any tartaric acid additions here because we have so much natural acidity, and that's a huge advantage of of Oregon. I mean, I, I'm not bashing California. I love California. I like drinking California wines, but but it's it's completely clear to anybody who's paying attention or wants to think about it that that the Chardonnays, you know, the great Chardonnay brands. People say, oh, you know, why should I buy your wine? I can buy. Marcus Center, I can buy Aubert and I can buy this. And I'm like, oh, fine, go ahead and buy them. But it's a completely different drinking experience. And uh, it's, so it's a really a matter of what you want. And if you want freshness, uh, tension, then you, you're not going to find it really. Well, there's one exception. I don't know if you've tasted the wines from Ceritas. It's a small producer in Sonoma, C-E-R-I-T-A-S. Really beautiful wines. I don't know how they do it, but their Chardonnays are, are still remarkably fresh. But in that, to me, is that's really the big difference between California and Oregon right now is, is um, that we're you know we're we're, we're, we're able to ripen in a way we couldn't, but we're still yet so um, unripe compared to California that that the that the wines have a 
have this tension that's just so absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And in your opinion, what are the best regions for Chardonnay and Pinot Noir? I know you mentioned Yolanti. Um, you also have Chardonnay from Chehalen as well. So when we started our project, we looked at the sort of seven or eight main sub-AVAs in the Northern Lamont Valley. And we said, let's, let's buy fruit from all of them for the first five years of our project. And then and let's, let's buy fruit that are different elevations, different soils. So we have mainly volcanic and sedimentary soils here. Those are the two primary soil series. And so we, we said, so different elevation, different soils, different aspects, different clones, different rootstocks. And we're going to sort of systematically kind of, you know, pick our way across and ferment our way across the Northern Lime Valley. And so we looked in Chehalem Mountain. That's a little bit north of where we are here in Carlton. We're in the Amel Carlton AVA. We bought fruit from here. We bought fruit from the Dundee Hills. We bought fruit from the McMinnville AVA. We bought fruit from Yola Amity Hills. Those are sort of the principal AVAs that we were looking at. And so over the course of the now seven or eight years we've been making wine, we sort of figured out for us, there really are probably the, the two most interesting areas are the Chehalem Mountain area for Wenty Clone Chardonnay, because there's some old plantings there that we really like. And then in the Ola Amity Hills, uh, we're getting the most beautiful, fresh, exciting Chardonnay because it's, like what I was talking about before, sort of a very cool portion of the valley um, and because of the wonderful east-facing slopes that we're able to buy from. So, uh, you know, they're, they're even though they're relatively close together, they're definitely a very different characteristics. What I'm seeing is, and what we're trying to stay away from is a lot of the plantings are really at low elevation because when when people were planting 20, 30 years ago, their, their concern was trying to get fruit ripe at all. And so they would plant at 200, 300, 400 feet. And now that's just getting too warm. And that's gonna be the thing that's really, I mean, if you're drinking a lot of Oregon wines, the question I would always ask people is what elevation is this vineyard at? And I think you'll start seeing definite correlation between elevation and um, and elegance and finesse. Um, and now some people like big burly Pinot Noirs. I don't. To me, that's antithetical to Pinot Noir. If you want a big wine, then go, you know, go drink a Cabernet or something. What's beautiful about Oregon is this incredible elegance and finesse that we can get from the fruit here. So that's what I think people should be focused on. But again, for so long, people literally couldn't get their wines to 12% alcohol so that the whole industry just sort of had to survive, had to figure out how to find sites where fruit would get ripe. But today, particularly the last 10 years, I mean, you, you just see the fruit and the wines coming off of a lot of those low elevation vineyards and it's, yeah, it just isn't working. I mean, you know, people, like I was saying before, I think, you know, I have a very specific vision for the wine that I want us to make. Uh, and everybody has their own vision. And, and I think, you know, people just need to sort of decide, <laughs> you know, do they want sort of a more alcoholic, richer, rounder wine, or do they want one that has the sort of, you know, characteristics that I've described that I'm looking for. But again, if you're tasting a lot of different wines in Oregon or from Oregon, I think, did, did you just get a container of a bunch of Oregon wines? Yeah, yeah. we um, Again, sort of ele elevation is, is a really critical thing. And then of course, soil type. But, you know, if you look if you look at Oregon, I mean, you, you probably got a lot of wines from Southern Oregon. That's a, that's a California-like climate. It's very warm down there. Uh, and then in the gorge, which is the Columbia River, which is the border between Oregon and Washington, um, it's a beautiful area, but, but a lot of the wine is coming from the, uh, the east side of, of the mountains. 
and that's a, a very warm desert climate. So you'll, you'll, I think you'll immediately see huge differences based on that. And then within the Willamette Valley itself, the southern part of the valley is actually quite a bit warmer than the northern part where we are. Uh, and that again, I think the wines from down there definitely usually have a more broader, rounder sort of mouthfeel and impression and less, less you know, sort of nuanced, fine uh, textures um, just because it is just warm enough. So where I grew up, which is about midway in the Willamette Valley, that's the area where it starts to get noticeably warmer as you go south. And I think in general, you will rarely see really exceptional wine coming out of the southern half of the valley, just, just because of that difference in acidity and difference in freshness of the fruit. All right. Well, nice meeting you and talking to you. Great. And and like you, I said, thank you, you so can, much for your time, Chris. Yeah. If you think of anything, let me know. Happy to follow up if you have any other questions. I will do. Thanks again. Have a good evening over there. You too. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.